Bald Men on Campus with Jay Billis, LaFonso Ellis, and Seth Greenberg. Welcome to Bald Men on Campus. I'm Seth Greenberg with Jay Billis and LaFonso Ellis. And uh, real quickly, takeaway from last night, the Jimmy V, obviously, uh, for a great cause. The cause is bigger than the games, but Jay, you were on both games. What was your biggest takeaway just in in watching those two teams, uh, those two games and those four teams? I was really impressed by how hard Texas Tech played. I, I, you know, I knew, you know, I knew they were good. I knew they would play hard. I knew Tennessee would play really hard. Uh, but Texas Tech outpaced my expectations on playing hard and uh, you know, Daniel Bacho, the transfer Ooh. from France, you know, he's from France. He transferred in from, uh, from Arizona. I remember him playing for Arizona. He didn't play that much. I watched him in practice a little bit, uh, but he was fantastic just with his, you know, it's a great lesson sort of for any, any big guy, any, any player coming off the bench that you don't have to score a lot of points to, to win a game and to have the major impact in the game. He was like the first thing I thought of when I thought of how hard Texas tech played was, was him. And, uh, and then I I was, uh, you know, sort of similar to what we talked about all year. Uh, Villanova is, uh, is on a different level as far as what they get, uh, out of their players and and like I think they're they're talented. I don't think they're among the most talented teams, but they're so disciplined and together and tough together and they play hard together. Everything they do is together. Yeah. And even if it isn't perfect, the fact that they do it together uh, gets them through it. And uh, and look, Syracuse has a ways to go. I don't. I, I think they're good. I don't think they're great. Uh, and I don't know that they're going to be great, but they're they're They can be an NCAA tournament team, uh, but they got to get on their horse and start riding pretty soon because uh, it's going to get a little tougher for them. Yeah, you mentioned uh, Villanova and how they do everything together. And I, it's been a while since I've been to one of their practices, but I leaned over and I said this to Seth. Most often, at least my, from my perspective, most often when you get ready to bring the guys onto the floor, it's always like, maybe the strength and conditioning coach or an assistant coach or somebody like that. I was blown away by the fact that all of a sudden I hear this sound of guys going, you know, let's get it. Let's get it. Let's go. Let's go. And I'm looking around to see if it's an assistant coach or a strength and conditioning coach or some, some, some stretch guru. It's not, it's all 12 to 15 of those guys uh, creating their own rally cry to get started. And, and I know we, we talk about little things that makes for winning teams and, 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 and Jay said, I think those things are important. And I, and I, and I think those things play out in the midst of the game. Cause I, I thought there were critical times in that game where Syracuse could have actually gotten away from it and gotten away from them. And uh, they weren't shooting the basketball very well at all. Villanova got off to a hot, hot start. And then all of a sudden in the second half, uh, there was, I'm, I'm trying to think who it was. Someone didn't take an open shot. And I remember when they were going to the sidelines, I remember uh, one of the guards, was it Caleb Daniels? Maybe Caleb Daniels, grabbed the, his teammate and goes, shoot it, keep shooting the ball. And so sure enough, they started to cut behind. They started to flash from behind that zone, started getting open spots, and all those guys started knocking down open threes. And so that little bitty thing that we saw in the shoot-around, their togetherness, kept them together to be able to pull away from Syracuse late in that second half. And, and, and I agree with you, Jay. They're, they're not Purdue, but 
they're awfully doggone good. I think they can potentially be elite eight good, especially if they can continue to get some production. Not a lot from Eric Dixon at the at the center position. Yeah, my takeaways was, was Texas Tech, how they attack dribble penetration. Mm. Like they're keeping you sidelined, but if you drive it or you get by them, they mm. don't help up. They don't help across. They attack mm. dribble penetration. And everyone behind the ball is moving on, on the drive together, and they close out on that thing gets kicked out after they stop the ball. It To me, it was incredible how connected they were when they mm-hmm. stopped penetration, whether it was sink and fill, whether it was a kick out and a close mm-hmm. out and a rotate. I mean, that blew me away. The second thing, you know, Jay wrote a book, Attitude. Mm-hmm. And that's not just a word for them. Mm-hmm. They they lived that because they let's face it, they they you know they had open shots they missed yeah. shots they, they they didn't really handle the ball well I mean they you know I think they took what did they take thirty five threes in the first half or twenty five I mean it was just twenty eight twenty eight yeah. threes the most in, in that they've ever taken twenty eight like their thirty six shots or whatever it was mm-hmm. and 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 I think a team that didn't have that mindset that attitude mindset might have struggled they go into the locker room obviously. Jay gives them one or two things to really focus on. They're still shooting a ton of threes. They shot over 50 in the game. Mm-hmm. But the attitude aspect of it is real. Like, you know, a lot of times, you know, I always say that, you know, culture is not a sign or a saying, it's a feeling. They get that feeling from that, from the belief in everything Jay says and the attitude that we will find a way to stay together, to be in this thing together, to compete together, to, you know, pick each other up when we get knocked down. Like you just said, you know, Fonz, get a guy that, hey, that's an open shot. You shoot that thing. I thought that was on display yesterday. I mean, did you guys feel that? I mean, like, like I felt it. Like when they say it, it, it's real. It's not something you say in a huddle. Does that make any sense? Yeah, but that's something to, to both of your points. That's something that they have worked on for over a decade now. Uh, it was probably since the 2009 Final Four, I think, I think Jay Wright would probably tell you this, that, that, you know, they probably made a couple, not that they recruited bad guys, probably made a couple of recruiting mistakes, getting some higher rated players and not culture guys right after they went to the 09 final four, Jay Wright's first. And, uh, and then I think they, they really concentrated on the culture of the program. And and look, I've said this a million times. I think you guys have too. I think it's the best culture in the game. I think it's the best Villanova has the best culture in the game. That's not to say that other cultures aren't great, but, but, but there's nobody, nobody's culture is better than Villanova's in my view. And, uh, and, but that's, so it builds on, on itself each year, like the older guys teach the younger guys and they all, they all do it. And I don't, I not, not that this matters, but I don't even I don't even use the word buy-in with them because what they're doing is not for sale. You can't buy that. Um, you, you kind of have to go through it and earn it. And, uh, and it, it like Fonz, you, you, I think you nail it. It's real. Like it, it's not a coach. It's, it's a, it, it, they are really well coached, but I don't think every aspect of that program is coach directed. Like the players kind of deal with certain things and, and that makes the team better when, when, if for some reason, I, I think this is true on every level, mm-hmm. when a player says it to you. Yeah. Sometimes it has more meaning than when a coach says it to you. Yes. And uh, and that that's I, I think they have that nailed. That's Izzo's thing. Player 
player led team is much better than a, a coach led team. Mm-hmm. I mean, like it's you, you know, mm-hmm. you're only as good as your locker room. Their locker room's really good. Biggest shock yesterday: Virginia fourteen points in the first half. JMU, which was pretty shocking. Oklahoma coming off a really good win, losing at home to Butler. I mean, we're seeing this happen. Is is Virginia? I'm not going to use the word fixable, but how do they move forward? How do, do you can you see a scenario where they just got to play even slower? Because is there a scenario where they can create offense right now? Have you guys watched enough of them? Yeah, they they in my mind when I see them, and we know. I mean, they 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 lost three studs last year. Um, their the game was more. Uh, with with Murphy, Huff, and Hauser, uh, their game was more perimeter. Their, their best shooters were obviously the bigs last year. So I thought coming into the season, they have somewhat of an identity crisis because now all of a sudden you're replacing those experienced bigs with some guys who you don't really know what you're going to get from them. Uh, they were able to go in the transfer portal and get Armand Franklin. But I think Armand Franklin, as talented as he is, uh, I think he's better playing with guys who are better players, almost – not, 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 yeah, not quite to the level of, of, of Purdue, but, but but guys who can really play. And so I think he's carrying a lot of the burden of having to be able to creatively score. And he's not been nearly as efficient this year as he was last year with even Indiana. And, and Seth, to your point, I, I'm not certain. I love Kia Clark. Uh, I think he's the same way. I think he's better when he has more talented players around him. I like Beekman, but I think he's in that same category. So, so I say all that to say that I think they're going to continue to struggle because one, they who who's the guy that you're going to get the basketball to to get your bucket on that team on the offensive end? They don't have that guy. I like Jaden Garden Gardner, but he's undersized power score, forward, he score and, he, and he's only six 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 seven. And he can't score over length. So because they don't have it offensively and their defense still seems to be struggling, uh, I think they're going to struggle for the entirety of the season. They'll benefit, though, from being in a weaker ACC, but uh, I think they're going to struggle on both ends all year long. Yeah, not being able to score efficiently from multiple positions is going to put a lot of pressure on their defense to pitch shutout innings, and they don't have a shutout inning defense. And, and you know, years past, those things kind of went hand in hand, honestly. Uh, and they don't have like a, a a stud defender at the forward spot like they've always had. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's just one of those like, look, they'll they'll, they'll recruit their way out of this, but um, but it's not what we've come to expect. But the the good news is uh, the ACC is not as good as it's been. Mm-hmm. So uh, there may be some opportunities uh, throughout the league that that maybe for uh, not being able to score efficiently, you know, in that mover blocker thing they might've gotten really punished in a past year and they may be able to sneak some out this year in, in the ACC. How about like uh, just what's going on in Memphis? I mean, obviously really talented. I, I don't know if you guys read stuff with, you know, Penny talking about uh, the upperclassmen, not putting their arms around the underclassmen and lifting them up because let's face it, the two, the two set, the two kids who should be high school seniors, well, let's be honest, they should be high school seniors and Imani Bates and Jalen Durant. They're, they're talented, young, what I call suspects. They're going to be, they're going to be good players, but I mean, you can't make that jump of going into your senior year and expect to be a winning college player under that microscope with that pressure, without a point guard. I mean, there's a lot of things going on. Is it a good thing? Maybe 
Fonz, well, you both, you guys both played basketball. Is it a good thing for Penny to challenge those upperclassmen? Is it something that should have maybe stayed in the locker room? Uh, where do you see this team going? They got a tough schedule coming up, but they still have, they still have Tennessee. They've got a game against Alabama coming up. I mean, where do you see this team that if you watch them individually say, you know what, they have a chance to be really good, but they seem to have no chemistry, very little trust. And quite honestly, and I'll just say it the way it is. I mean, those two kids are going to be good players. They're not good. They're not good winning players right now. Yeah. When I watch them, uh, I, I, I watch, when I watch them, I, I think that, He's in, Trinity's in a tough spot because I'd imagine when they were recruiting Imani Bates that they were his people were wanting him to be kind of the point guard, the guy who remember Seth. My concern coming to the season was like where they're going to get point guard play, and we of course noticed in the preseason that they were putting it in his hands to be able to make plays, especially in the middle of the floor with pick and rolls. Well, he's going to get there, but he's not there yet, and and hasn't been producing. And I have to admit, if I'm a guy like Landers Nolly. <laughs> coming from where he's come from and a guy who can knock down shots and I see the lack of production there but of course getting all the spoils on one side I, I may have a little little bit of an issue with that and then have my coaches actually call me out <laughs> in front of the public too is versus keeping it private and we're working it out uh, w- within the team I, I, I get calling out your older guys but I think that's more productive when you do it behind closed doors and um but, but yeah, I, I can imagine right now that Landers Nolly is looking and kind of going, these guys aren't getting it done. I like Jalen Duren, but Jalen Duren is not who they were projecting him to be in terms of his production so far. And uh, I, I'm not surprised at all that they're having issues in that locker room right now, and I expect it to continue. I don't have a problem with Penny Hardaway calling the players out. And if it's true. If it's not true, I would have a problem. Right. But if, if all this stuff is is being accurately stated, uh, and I have no reason to believe it's not, uh, I have no problem with it. If it was his first year at Memphis, I would caution against it because he wouldn't have had a track record in Memphis, but he's got a track record of how he does things. He's never said anything like this before. Uh, and I, you know, I've, we've all seen him in practice and, and see how he handles things. I would have, I don't have any problem with it. Um, it's still, it's still a little bit early. I mean, they, as poorly as they played, as poorly as they shot free throws and, and shot the ball at old miss, they were still, you know, it was a one or two possession game at the end. So this is not something that they can't pull out and get better and improve upon. I mean, they got a pretty good coaching staff. It's not like the, you know, Larry Brown doesn't know what he's doing or Rasheed Wallace or Penny Hardaway. So I'm not, I'm not like kind of giving up the ship on, on Memphis. I think they've got, they've still got a chance to be uh, to be a pretty good team before this is all said and done. Fonz. Yes. You got to give us a preview. Come on now. Huh? Got to give us a preview for Saturday. I mean, Jay's going to be there. I'm going to be in the studio. You're going to wear the letterman's jacket <laughs> and your Jersey underneath it. I mean, the ring of honors, I mean, like we've, we've, we've delayed it, but that's coming up this Saturday. Uh, I mean, come on, give us a little preview, man. I mean, this is, this is a big, this is a big time thing, man. And totally well-deserved. You you kind said, I I said to you in private that I feel both um, unworthy on one end and yet a strong sense of gratitude on the other. Um, As you guys know, I technically only played three years because I missed, a spring semester and a fall semester due to my academic ineligibility while I was pursuing my degree in accounting. And so I just feel that there's guys like John Paxson that comes that come to mind who 
who are much more worthy uh, than I. So I'm dealing with that emotion on one side and uh, on the other side, this extreme sense of gratitude and having an opportunity to really share God's goodness with so many of my family and friends who are going to be in attendance. And I don't really know uh, how I'm going to respond emotionally to it. I just know that whoever uh, the group was that's responsible for making the decision to put me in, I, I feel just a great sense of uh, gratitude and I'm excited to share that day with all my family and friends. Fonz, is the, is the ceremony going to be before the game or at halftime? Yeah, my understanding, Jay, is that Friday, uh, Notre Dame's going to have a practice that's been moved to 115. They'll do kind of a ring ceremony there. My wife, my, my kids uh, will be there, many of my former teammates, and I'll get a chance to talk to the team uh, that day. And after that, they'll have a small gathering of that same group. And then Saturday, uh, media res- games at 515 Eastern time, so media responsibility at 415. Uh, many of my family will be coming in around 3.15 or so. So do a little media. Uh, at halftime, they'll have me speak for about two or three minutes. And I think I'm assuming then is where uh, it'll be raised into the ring of honor from there. So that, that and then oh. we'll have reception afterwards. Yeah, that's a bummer because at halftime, I usually go into the media room, have a slice of pizza or something, <laughs> get ready for the second half. So you'll have to let me know how it goes. May I have one too? Can I go with you? Hey, 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 Fonz, the positive is, you know, as you're you're giving your speech, you won't have a lemon you're telling you to rap. (laughs) (laughs) Or or Oleg going, we're not doing that now. (laughs) Oleg's on on our bad list. Hey, hey, Fonz, I'm so happy for you. What an exciting exciting thing. And I know know you're going to get to address the team. So, you know, you're going to you know get them. I'm sure you're going to get them pretty fired up. They'll be ready to run through a wall. But like, Fonz, when you say when you say you're unworthy, mm-hmm. I think that's pretty funny. Like me getting anything from Fairleigh Dickinson, that's unworthy. Uh, right? That's just greed. <laughs> if I, I'm not a part of the university. It's totally unworthy. You second time, only uh, second all time leading block, shot blocker in, in the school and all the success you had and all the points you scored and all the games you won. You're far from unworthy, believe me. I mean, in a normal person's eye, maybe, maybe, maybe to yourself because you're such a humble and, you know, humble and nice human being that you balance off me and Bellis's snarkiness. This podcast has to have some some balance because, and obviously, you've helped us tremendously with that. Does not. <laughs> you know, my hope step is this: is that that um, yeah, I. I I told you this a long time ago. I even told Billis this in a different way, uh, referring to Coach Phelps. I carried this for a long time that I let my teammates down, man, and I let my coaching staff down. I was my second in ineligibility. We didn't make the NCAA tournament. Digger was fired that year. And I probably shouldn't – I shouldn't have carried that on my own shoulders, but I did for a long time. I felt that was my fault. And likewise, uh, you know, we had teams that were good enough to get to the NCAA tournament and possibly even do some damage. And um, – Obviously, I wasn't available to be able to help my guys. And so I'm hoping that uh, as as my numbers raise, that all of those guys feel a sense that they've contributed to it. So when they bring their kids, grandkids through and they look up and say, I played with that, that guy, they can say more than that, that I was the part of that whole deal. And so if, if that's accomplished, if that's the only thing that's accomplished that day, that that'll be um, that'll be awesome for me. 
that that's nice uh, to say about your teammates. <laughs> no, it's true because when I go when I go to Cameron Indoor Stadium with my family, we look up, we see Johnny Dawkins' number. I point up there and I say, "See, that's Johnny Dawkins' number." I set a lot of screens for him, and he never and he never he never said said thank you. So always say thank you. So it's been a great lesson for my kids. Well, I'll tell you what. Next week, we'll reconvene after Fonz's name is up in the ring. We'll have a result on Baylor and Nova, which will be another great game. And, you know, as the season's beginning, like this, quite honestly, uh, every every day, I mean, it, it never disappoints. We've got great games coming up this weekend with, I, I think, uh, with Iowa and Iowa State and some good yes. rivalry games coming up. So, uh, Fonz, congratulations. Thank you. Absolutely well deserved and an awesome, awesome, exciting day for you. And uh, we're, 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 I'm going to speak on behalf of Bellis on uh, something genuine. We, we are really happy for you. We can't, can't wait to see it. So proud. <laughs> so, so happy for you, Fonz. My guys, thank you very much. This past week, you're thinking about the start of December and Maryland and and Mark Turgeon decide to part ways. And I, I look, here's the thing in Mark's comments after he was let go. And I don't know about you guys, you know, you know, he was concerned about the betterment of the program for players and he said his family. And to me, that really, really hit home because Mark Turgeon was 80 and 52 in the, in the big 10. Mark Turgeon won a big 10 championship. You know, Mark, Mark Turgeon uh, went to a sweet 16. Mark Turgeon graduated every single guy that played for him. And yet he was always treated to me, it seems like, as an outsider. I mean, 82 and 50 in the Big Ten is a heck of an accomplishment. It really is. And yet I, I just don't think that the, the Maryland faithful ever really embraced him. And, and it got ugly, let's be honest. And, and, and the one thing I'll, I'll say is that I went through, a, obviously I was let go I, and it didn't happen in the middle of the season. Uh, Fan is short for fanatic, and that's great that people are passionate and they care about their university and they have a high expectation, and, and I think that's wonderful. But it doesn't give someone a right to be abusive and to be mean-spirited. And, uh, you know, I, I feel for Mark. I feel for his family. I feel for his family what went through. And, uh, you know, look, he's a heck of a coach. If he wants to coach, he'll be up to coach again. But, uh you know, it hurt me that his family, because, you know, people don't, just don't understand. I mean, you know, as a coach, you're used to dealing with it. But, you know, those type of things impact your wife and your kids mm-hmm. more in a lot of ways than they impact you. And, you know, from my own experiences, uh, you know, it was really hard and hurtful for my girls. And I can't imagine what his kids went through. But I think Mark Turgeon's a heck of a coach and did a, a very, very good job at Maryland. Obviously not up to the standards that maybe some fans expected so that, that's my two cents on it yeah know what you guys think no yeah and, and I, I i appreciate those sentiments and and they're heartfelt uh mark Tur- I, I played against mark in college and known him a long time i think he's an outstanding coach i think he did a good a really good job at maryland i hear what you're saying seth about uh the atmosphere um i i, I don't see it differently it's just that that i've kind of given up on on you know, kind of asking fans to do something that they're clearly incapable of doing, you know, like, you know, every coach serves at the pleasure of his or her administration, his or her fan base. Yeah. And what happened with Mark Turgeon is, is 
everything had become uh, toxic is probably the right word. And 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 I think they knew it was going to be over at the end of the year and he was miserable and and life's too short to be miserable. So uh, he cut the cord now uh, just for his own sake and his family's sake and and for Maryland. Like, you know, I, I think everybody um, felt like this was what was going to happen at the end of the year. Um, so, it, but it's kind of where we are in college sports right now. Mm-hmm. And, and look, you guys have heard me on my high horse sitting on top of a soapbox talking about this is pro sports and it has been forever, but, but it's, it's reached a new, a new level and at the same time, a new low. And by the new low, I mean, I am so tired of listening to presidents and the NCAA president lecture us on what college sports is all about. And then because it's not what they say it is. Nope. When you have when you have uh, any university, whether it was Texas with Tom Herman or uh, University of, of Miami with Manny Diaz on the football side where they've got a coach under contract and and they go out and hire a coach under contract at another school. And that's that's okayed by a president and by a by a board of, of trustees. And tell me that this this has integrity. It has none. It has none. And uh, and so I'm I'm kind of tired of it. This is this is pro. And uh, and and so I'm I'm good with Mark pulling the plug on this. And I, I think he will coach again. I think he'll coach well somewhere else and be much happier. Um, but but if hey, if if the Maryland fans wanted him out, you got your wish. Now go get your next guy, um, and, and you'll be fine. Because Maryland's a great place. It's a it's a great program. Uh, Gary Williams did an unbelievable job there. Lefty before him, uh, and Mark did a good job, and they'll have somebody do a good job after that. But uh, but I, I'm I'm continually tired of this this lecturing about. Well, this is what college sports is about. This is what college sports is about. College sports is about hundreds. Now it's about hundred million dollar contracts for football coaches, and basketball coaches aren't that far behind. And uh, and then and then everybody wants to moan about, well, what about this NIL deal? And what about the transfer portal? Like, stop it. You know, you need to stop it with, with all this other stuff going on. That's the least of our issues. Big 10 coach of the year in 2015, Jay. So I went and did one of his games and I think they've got what as high as number two that year. Mm-hmm. I went and did I did one of his games the year after and. I was amazed at how unappreciated he was there. And said, you said outsider. That's the feeling that I got. I was like, wait, the year before, dude, just he's been 10 years here. Got him as high as number two in the country. And, and I just felt from that moment, I, I remember just recording it, going that th- 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 this may end a lot. So no matter how well he does, this is going to end a lot sooner than I than I think it should because he's so unappreciated. And Jay, you make a great point. I remember during the times when we were recruiting, when dudes were graduating all their players, that meant something. Today, it doesn't mean anything. And so I'm so disappointed that a dude who's a high character guy, who's proven that he can win and has proven that since he's been there, a, a good recruiter, a great guy, graduating all of his kids, which is what it's supposed to be about. Now you've made it a toxic environment for this dude to even try to work. And so to your point, Jay, it's going to be interesting to see who they bring in next. 
And will that person be the next Mark Turgeon? Will they be, if it's not somebody within the Maryland family, will they be treated kind of the same? So I'm wondering if, if the solution would be, and I can't think of who that would be off the top of my head, but I'm wondering if they should almost do what Indiana did. No one was ever going to get past Bobby Knight. They needed to go out and bring in Woody, somebody who played for Coach Knight, to bring healing to uh, the, the Indiana faithful, even if he doesn't succeed. And I wonder if that's what they need to just get past. I'm re- I was really disappointed by how this all went down. You know what I think is really funny? Yeah. So you know what I think is really funny about, about this stuff is we've got what, like, like say, just for argument's sake, we take the power five and, and uh, you know, the big East and throw in a couple of the conferences and, and the, yeah, the American, the top, the, the basically the top hundred schools. So the top 100, the, the, the top third of division one, all these, all these administrators and fans think that, that every one of those programs think they should be in the top 25 and, and right. regularly, regularly yes. go into the elite eight or yep. something. Right. And and I would love to sit down with some of these administrators and get out the U.S. News and World Report rankings of universities and say, hey, by the way, why is it your university ranked in the top 25? Mm-hmm. Like, what, why, why is that? Why, why aren't you able to, to catapult your university into that? And they come up with, well, it's about resources, about this, it's about a whole bunch of stuff. They'd have a whole bunch of freaking excuses. Yeah. But, but the basketball team and the football team have to be up there with no sort of no reasonable um, kind of view of, you know, everybody's like, we should be knocking on the door for a championship every year. We should be contending. We should be in the tournament every year. Hardly anybody's in the tournament every year. You know, it's a handful of programs. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and you know, like the SEC, I remember at South Carolina, there was a guy named Mike McGee who actually played football at Duke. He was an AD at South Carolina and the AD at USC. He actually fired Rod Dado at USC, if you can believe that. <laughs> But Mike McGee said one time, South Carolina should be in the NCAA tournament every year. And you're like, dude, what are you smoking? The only the only programs in the NCAA tournament every year in the Southeastern Conference at that time was Kentucky. And they weren't even in it every year. And and it, it's just you wonder where these mindsets come from that that are, are so irrational and unreasonable. Yeah, I mean, like everyone wants to be Gonzaga. Every mid-major coach wanted to be VCU, Gonzaga. They, why can't we go to the Final Four? Well, your investment's got to equal your expectation. Like the one thing people don't realize, there's only two schools in Power Five conferences that don't have standalone pra- uh, practice facilities. Maryland and Cal. They don't have a practice facility. Like they have to wait and get their certain specific time. So like investment equals expectation. Uh, but – my thing is, and I, I said this to Turgeon up there, I said he should hold his head up high and feel good about what he accomplished. And, uh, you know, my graduate, by the way, fonts, graduating means nothing. I mean, like, you know, we graduated every single grade. It means, it means, let me, it, it means, it means nothing. It's not even, it's not even in the equation, but, yeah. but it's, it's quite honestly, it's no different than you recruit a kid. And when you recruit them, parents want to know about graduation rates. They want to know about, you know, majors. They want to know about academic support. I never got one phone call in 30 years from a parent about going, well, how's academic support going? Now, I got a lot of phone calls about playing time and roll. So, yeah. I mean, I mean, that's just the way it is. But, you know, what happened in Miami this week was absolutely embarrassing. Mm. You know, I mean, so it, 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 there's a trend that is is going on right now. And, and Jay's right. The amount of money is, is obscene. And, you know, I, I, I do think, and this is a tangent to it, but, you know, I, I was thinking when this whole thing happened and when I was watching the thing at Miami happen, I do think there's, there is a parallel, though, Jane. You'll probably disagree with me, but 
you know, the stuff that's happening at Memphis, those players in that locker room that are not helping those kids, they're probably sitting there going, well, those guys, we hear their NILs deals worth this much and this much, and we're only making this much. Why should we help those guys? And that's just human nature. Yeah, for idiots, but it's yeah, human but, nature. But, but, but I mean, I mean, you're dealing with 18 and 19 year old kids. But we don't. Yeah, yeah. What, but we don't know that's happening because uh, no, no, you can I'm have this. You can have the same type of thing. Like, like you know, they had problems at Wisconsin with a bunch of older players with nobody yeah. with nil deals. So it, not, yeah. you know, to me, the Hot you know, we, one, we don't know whether that's linked. But, but two, um, you know, you can have problems over playing time sure. that have nothing to do with nil. Yeah. Um, you know, like to me that, that I, I get what you're saying. Um, but, but I don't see how, how those things are connected because if they were, you'd have fights in the locker room among coaches because the head coach makes a ton more than everybody else. And some of these guys are making ridiculous amounts of money. Um, but I, and I have no problem with that. Like, like I think coaches should make a ton of money because the enterprise makes a ton of money. Like everybody should get theirs. But yep. when, when we're running this and telling the players that they can't have this, can't have that, and pretending that that that's okay, it's not okay. Um, look, I, I believe we're going to be paying, uh, we're going to be signing players to contracts within ten years, and I think it's going to run a lot smoother than it does now when we do that. But uh, uh, you know, we'll see, we'll see what Congress does. But 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 my thing is more, and you guys, we've all talked about this before. But my thing is more. You know, I, I want the establishment to quit lecturing us like like they're admitting students and then each school has tryouts for their team. Mm-hmm. You know, they're they're going out trying to get the best players that they can and and they are trying to make the most money that they can. It doesn't mean that you can't do education and sports and big money sports at the same time because you can. But but I'm, t- I'm getting tired of this holier than thou lecture from you know, Mark Emmert and, and all these commissioners and, and all that stuff when they turn around and, and all they do is money, money, money. Yeah, that's a good point. Well, we wish, yeah. we, we wish Turge the best. He's a yes. fan. And, yes. uh, you know, I'm sure he will uh, be in a situation shortly that, you know, he can really enjoy, enjoy coaching. Cause yes. mean, here's the thing. You work so hard to become a head coach, you have success in it, but you also want to enjoy it. I mean, like that's one of the, you know, I mean, the one, Reward, forget about financially, is you know impacting someone's life and enjoying being in the gym with them, enjoying feeling like you, you're doing something positive and good. And and uh, you know, well, if Turge, hey Seth, if Turge wants to shave his head, we got a spot for him here. Yeah, he, he, he's got he's going back a little bit on defense. It'd be great. <laughs> he's going a little bit back on defense. <laughs> welcome one, welcome all. Oh. Yes. We'd like to welcome in uh, Alabama head coach, Nate Oates. Uh, coach, you're just coming off practice. It's finals week. What is practice like through finals week? <laughs> we try to make it like a normal practice, but sometimes they seem like they're a little distracted. They, uh, I, I thought today's was good. It's better than Monday's. Monday's, uh, I don't know if we were still coming off the uh, jet lag from getting back from Seattle or first day of finals week. I don't know. Monday's wasn't great. We gave them Tuesday off. So they could work, study their finals, and then we got back after today. Today was today was pretty good. That's a good thing. Nate, you mentioned getting back from uh, from, from Seattle. I'm I'm just curious. Uh, with we, we we saw last year with Gonzaga in the championship game, Baylor really got up and into them. 
uh, prevented them from that flow offense. They didn't allow them to move and cut the way that they move. I'm just curious, just you guys played so well against them defensively. Did you use that, uh, that Gonzaga Baylor game as an example of how you would defend them? Yeah, a little bit. I mean, I felt like you could get up into him a little bit. I mean, Nemhard's really good, especially when he's comfortable. You got to make him uncomfortable. You know, I, and shoot, if Timmy and uh, if Timmy gets the ball where he wants it, it it's kind of over. I mean, he's as it was. He drew nine fouls against us. I, all of our fours and fives in the rotation ended up with four fouls in the game. So we felt like if you let them get where they wanted to get, you're going to be in major problems. You had to kind of try to dictate. To them, you know, and I, and I thought our guards did a pretty good job of that. I thought that was Quinnerly's best defensive game. Shackleford was great on the defensive end. Keon Ellis is known for being a defender. And, and really, that was J.D. Davidson's. He had our lowest uh, defensive efficiency. You wanted to have the lowest one on defense. He had the lowest defensive efficiency of the nine guys that played in that game. So for that was his best defensive game, too. So I thought defensively, we're pretty – Charles, even though he ended up with four fouls, you know, had – a lot of blocks. He had six blocks, and I thought, yeah. I thought he bothered Timmy inside. So I thought mm-hmm. inside, outside, both. We did a pretty good job. Nice. You know, Nate Javon Quinterly's really matured into a, a great college player. Uh, and it, w- what has he done with you at Alabama to make that make that jump from year to year? You know, I, I think he's really started to get himself concerned with the right thing, just playing hard, playing well. You know, not being worried about stuff that he has no control over, you know, and that was the thing we had a little issue with him early on, you know, like whether it be ref calls or anything, kind of just get him distracted because he's really talented. He just had to get focused on what he can control and then don't worry about the rest of it. So I think he's done a lot better job of that. I think his effort, you know, defensively, he was pretty good Saturday against Gonzaga. I think he's got the tools to be a good defender because he's quick. He's got quick hands. He's got some toughness. You know, he's just got to stay focused on what he needs to be focused on. And I think he's he's continually getting better at that. You know, and we, we give him a lot of freedom on offense, but I don't think he's abused the freedom. I mean, he's takes pretty good shots for the most part, and he finds his he finds his teammates. I mean, he's when you give him freedom, he's still making the right reads on most of the plays. Yeah, it, your team's interesting because when I was up there for practice, you guys, that film session, you guys were really locked in. Last year with third in defensive efficiency, you know, obviously Herb was phenomenal. He could guard almost all five guys at once. Keon Ellis is kind of taking a little bit of that role, I guess. But, like, you're, you know, when people talk about Alabama basketball, they talk about your pace of play, shooting the three, your spacing. Uh, obviously, maybe the best backcourt in the country, but. I'm not sure people talk enough about your defense uh, and what you guys try to do each and every day. How, you know, you know, how do you look at your team? Like, if you would say this is who we are and how we win, how would you describe? It? Yeah, I I think we put the offensive system in year one, but <laughs> we we're 114th in the country in defensive efficiency. So you saw what that got us. We were one game over 500 when we went from 114th to third. You know, we went from 16 and 15 to one in the SEC, 16 and two. So you, you you have to have a great defense to win. So I think we've gotten that across. Now it helped having Herb Jones, defensive player of the year last year to help kind of set, and he was hurt our first year here. He, you know, he wasn't able to be himself. So, but, you know, having Herb helped kind of get the foundation set last year. And then we've built on it. Our guys know in the program why we win. I mean, we win. You got to have both sides of the ball to win at a high level like we did last year. But 
if you don't have the defensive side of the ball, it's, you can't win at the level we did. So, and they also know if you want to play fast, you better be getting stops because you can't play all that fast. You're taking the ball out of the net all the time. So the better we are on defense, the quicker we can get to offense, the better we are in transition. You know, Houston's going to be a great test for our rebounding. Can't just be great on defense. You got to close it with a rebound. So I, I think we've, We've tried to instill a toughness and a culture where, you know, we may play fast, shoot a lot of threes, play modern basketball, but we're not trying to be Hollywood. Like we trying to be blue collar and tough and physical and grimy when we need to. And then also play the analytics, which playing fast and spreading the floor out and playing that way on offense. Like speaking of blue collar, you may not remember this, but my first time meeting you was when I called your game at Syracuse and you introduced me to the concept of your hard hats. Did, did what was what was the yeah what what was it with the hard hats and did you take the hard hats down to Bama with you? Yeah, we got them down here. We give out a hard hat at the end of every game. We we kind of score these blue collar points. I we didn't we didn't bring down the uh, blue collar uniforms like we had at Buffalo. We, we yeah, we all looked like we were a bunch of auto mechanics. Uh, <laughs> up and stuff. We we left those alone, but we still give the hard hat out. So yeah, Herb Jones got the hard hat. She was over half the games last year. I, uh, it's been spread out a little bit more this year. So, nice. yeah, but yeah, we, we're still trying to be blue collar. Just <laughs> not quite the same as the Buffalo blue collar. But. With a Southern yeah. twang. But a lot more blue collar than Notre Dame was back in the day. I know that. He's going into the ring of honor this week, man. You can't, oh, you can't say anything bad, though. He's going on the ring of honor this look, week. Hey, listen, I'm not touch, I'm not, for Jay, I'm not uh, touching the Duke program. I'm not talking about them anymore. We're not touching that. Well, Nate, Nate's right. Uh, uh, Fonz is going in the ring of honor for offense only. It's not a, it's not a defensive <laughs> honor. Nate, who, who would you say are your biggest influences growing up in the game? Like, like who who taught you the most and sort of shaped who you are now as a coach, would you say? That's a good question. And people ask me, you know, I so my background is a little different than most people at this at this level. I was played Division three, small Division three. I coached Division three for five years. I got a high school job in Detroit for 11 years. I was at Romulus. I'll say probably the most College practices, I've got, like, I used to go up to Michigan State all the time. I loved Izzo and how tough they were, and they were physical. They played fast. I, like, I love, I, I was working Michigan State's camp when I was a Division three assistant in Wisconsin, so before I ever came out there. So, but I never worked for them. I was up there a lot. I got to be friends with their video coordinators because I'd steal as much video as I could from them, and I'd go up there as much as I could. But I, you know, so then I was a high school coach for 11 years. Then Bobby Hurley hired me. So I, Hurley's the only guy that I've worked under in division one basketball. So he obviously had some influence. It was two years, but I I'd somewhat established how I wanted to play as a high school coach. There's a guy, Vance Wolverick. I don't know if you know him. I got, of course. And I, so me and my assistant, Josh Baker used to go to a, an NBA training camp and a college practice every year. We try to go to both. We'd go to at least one. But the Vance's first year at Pepperdine, we went out there for a whole week. We stayed out in California for like five days and kind of learned his system. And so offensively, we still try to play spread. You know, he was kind of the godfather of double drive, double drive which Cal Perry used. And so I, I still I still talk to Vance, and he still has those things. Defensively, we're way more probably like Michigan State in the gaps, kind of tough, kind of like that. So I, I – 
It's probably a bad answer, but I don't have a great answer to that question. No, it's a great answer. Have you, have you borrowed anything? Have you borrowed anything, any techniques or, or from Saban, being around Saban so much? You know what? I, I shadowed him. Well, you were over there with me. Uh, yeah. You came by. You spoke to the team uh, my first year here. I shadowed him for a whole day. I go to a bunch of practices. I think just his attention to details, like, ridiculously high. Like, if you go – I mean, if any of you are – Jay's been there before. But if you come in, like, the day before a game and go through their walkthrough and see – I, there's not a scenario that could show up in a football game that they're not prepared for. Now, you know, you try to translate some of that to basketball and it's not all perfectly translatable, but I just, I think the culture that they have over there, the business like atmosphere and their attention to detail is pretty high level. And I, I've tried to pick up some of it, but you know, it's, it's hard to replicate that. They got about a hundred people on staff too, I think. So I, <laughs> we can't replicate that over here. How helpful is, a lot of people working. How, how helpful is he in recruiting? Cause I mean, like you walk in to meet with him, I got to believe. And he says like, this guy has got to go. And I mean, it, that seal of approval of anyone down in that region of the country has got to be mind blowing. No, he's really, really good for us to recruit. It, it helped me too being friends with Izzo before I got down here because those two guys are buddies from uh, Coach Saban's time at Michigan State. So he had already talked to Izzo about me. And then obviously it helps for one in a little bit so he can vouch for me. But from the day I got here, I mean, he's more than willing to, he wants all the athletic programs to be good here. So whenever we have an official visit, we always go spend 15 minutes with him. And he's, I mean, when you've won his, Seven national championships, I think six at Alabama and seven total and pushing to win number eight. Like when you've won as much as he's won, when he speaks, people listen. When he tells the recruits and their parents everything that the University of Alabama is going to do for their son, it holds some weight behind it. And he's been, he's been great. I, I, I love. Now, again, usually our official visitor in football, so he doesn't have a ton of time, but he makes time. For, and he's, he's been really good with them. That's really cool. Now, Midwest, last question for me. Midwest uh, uh, and, and Northeast to the South now, how have you changed your diet living in Tuscaloosa? <laughs> That's actually, Jay's got all uh, good questions. The, uh, so when I when I moved down here, I uh, I put on like 20 pounds, like in the first, <laughs> like, it was like absurd. I got on the scale, I'm like, no, we got to get, like we, we had a little staff contest. Uh, I put a bunch of money up. I think there was like, $1,200 in the pot to like win that first year. Cause I like this got to get off. Like it's like sweet a, tea. And, well, yeah. I mean, well, you, got sweet <laughs> tea, you, got dessert, you got all the desserts, you got like the compai, you got fried foods everywhere. The one thing I will say the 11 years I lived in Detroit, it seemed like a lot of, there's a lot of soul food in Detroit. There's a lot of soul food down here. So that was, those were somewhat similar, but shoot, there's a, there's a lot of really good food down here. And if you, and if you partake of it all, you're going to be fat. i'm getting to the stage again it's like between thanksgiving and christmas where i'm starting to fan again i gotta january january one we're gonna cut it all out (laughs) another guilt-ridden eater (laughs) (laughs) i got good food down here you you guys got a couple well you were down here did you you should have gone to the barbecue spot stuff yeah, I did. I just ran it right up. I'll tell you one thing. I, I, I tell the story all the time about you talking about saving. So I went over to watch a little bit of the practice. And, I, you know, the, long, the last time I was really just like in awe and kind of intimidated meeting someone was Pat Riley. My first year at Long Beach State, he came to watch a practice with Lucius Harris. And I had a conversation with him. I stumbled and mumbled. I, I don't know. I kind of 
I mean, I couldn't get freaking three words out that made any type of a coherent sense. And meeting Saban, even though, I mean, like in stature he's not, but when he walked into that practice facility, like you could tell some shit changed now. <laughs> no, that, that, that's a hundred percent for sure. I mean, when he, like when he walked, I'll say this, I, when I shadowed him, you're in the staff meeting, there's like, I say a hundred, it's probably at least 50 people. And you're just kind of sitting there and they're chat, 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 And then all of a sudden that door opens silence. <laughs> the one time the door opened and you know, I've been in a few meetings and it wasn't him. It was silent. And then they realized it wasn't him. And then they started laughing. <laughs> they, they, do this, they do this Nick at noon, like uh, the, the noon on the Friday before every football game, he speaks. So they had me go over there the other week. And, and basically whoever speaks has to fill the slot until coach gets in. You know, he comes from his meetings at maybe 1205, 1210. Like you just got to cover. So the first time I did it, I was like, well, how am I going to know when coach comes in? You know, cause I'm looking out here and he's over here. <laughs> they said, you'll know, <laughs> you know, as soon as he walks in, it's, I'm like, that's it. I'm done. <laughs> Basketball coach, quit answering football questions. You can get football coach <laughs> that's so good. That's so good. Awesome. Hey, hey, your league is great, man. How good is your league this year? There's like seven in the top 25. So you just asked me, I think it's like us, Kentucky, Arkansas, who is it? Um, Tennessee. Tennessee, I think, got the number one defense in the country on Kempom. I looked uh, Florida, LSU, and Auburn. Seven of us in the top 25 right now. Yeah. There's some other pretty good teams, too. I mean, Mississippi State loaded up with some trans. I mean, there's Old Miss beat, beat uh, Memphis. The other, like, we got top to bottom. It's a pretty good league. There's a lot of, athletes, a lot of pros in the league. Yeah. So. Well, hey, we appreciate your time. Congratulations yes. on the start, man. And I appreciate your hospitality. I really enjoyed watching you guys practice. I really did. And Charles Bediaco, I walked out of there going, Charles Bediaco, I don't know when people knew him before. That dude is going to be really good. And Keon Ellis is my favorite guy. Maybe I watched all preseason. Oh, Keon's tough. We got, yeah, he should use five or six from three against Miami. We got to get him back. I mean, he's. He, he didn't even play that great against Gonzaga and still being. We, if we can get him wrong, we'll, we'll, we'll be in good business. So you're, you were right, though, Seth. You know a little bit about basketball, so it's good. I pumped <laughs> I, I, I my way through that one. I just, listened to, I just listened to Jay do a game uh, last night because we got Houston. You had the, uh, the Maui deal. Yeah, I had Maui and then had him against Virginia. And uh, right, man, they, yeah. they play. If you find anybody that plays harder than them, give me a call because I'd like to I'd like to watch them. Oh, that's what I told our guys. We got no shot if we don't play. I mean, if we don't play as hard, we gotta try to play harder than them. But if you don't play hard, you are I mean they blow, they're blowing teams. Yes. They blew yeah. Virginia out by 20. Yeah. So yes. Big question. Did you watch the game with or without the sound? Because if you watch it with the sound, I'm surprised you're awake. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm a pro dookie now. I'm off. I'm I'm waiting for him to start putting the rap lyrics into his, uh, you know, I, I see the tweets, but we may, we can start weaving them into the, uh, tele- oh, it's coming. It's coming. Oh boy. <laughs> We're, he was really excited about the game he called last night. I mean, that first game, Tennessee, Texas tech, I've never seen him so excited. I was <laughs> going, you know, my daughter, I got a nine-year-old daughter. It was her first basketball game down here in Tuscaloosa. So I was there, but I had, you know, I had to phone like when she was out, uh, when she was in, I was watching. It was very exciting. It was two to two at the end of the first quarter. It was uh six to four at the half. So that during the exciting nine-year-old basketball game, I had to phone up with the, uh, 
So I, I got a little of that while, while, we, while we had the Brills game. Well, your, your daughter's game had more scoring than Texas Tech, Tennessee. <laughs> they, had to, they had to repaint the rims in between games so Villanova and Syracuse could play. <laughs> I'm not commenting on that. <laughs> Why would you do that to the man? He's doing us a favor coming like right from practice to hang out with us, and you're trying to get him like – I didn't – that wasn't a question. Well, like, that was a I declarative just, yeah, statement. That was that, 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 that required no response. It was rhetorical in nature. <laughs> He's officially member of the family now. <laughs> he ain't shaving his head. Don't worry about it. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's – what's the name of this thing now? Bald men, all, on all men on campus. There we go. I like it. Which sounds like an it sounds like an amber alert, you know. Bald men on campus. It sounds so creepy. Is that, the authorities did, are being called. Did, any, did anybody choose to go shave? Fonzo, you could still have a nice set of hair. You're... No, brother. It, it, it was you remember I, I had long hair the last time I saw you. All of a sudden, it started getting a little creep right here, and it was just time. That wasn't that long ago. That was like three years ago. Hey, look, look, when you see my family, I don't know my dad, but my brother lost a lot of his hair when he was like 24. So for me to hold on to it till I was like 46, hey, I'm, I'm thankful, man. I'm thankful. It's never, it's wife, never a choice for anybody. It's, it's <laughs> the only thing that's a choice when you're bald is a hat. <laughs> my, <laughs> hair went, my hair went back on defense when I started coaching. I blame it all on coaching. There's <laughs> some truth to that. My mind got a lot more gray when I started doing all this. <laughs> <laughs> we, we, would, we would take gray. <laughs> you, can, you can always color gray. I'm not coloring mine. You can always color gray, you know. <laughs> Why are you talking about Coach K like that? I didn't say that. <laughs> <laughs> you put words in my mouth. So. <laughs> nope. I'm going to. You're a good man to come on this thing, uh, Nate. Yes. Thank you for doing this. And, uh, and roll, roll tide. Roll tide. I yeah, like it. We got Jay to say it. it. Thank you. Mind. Mind. Hey, good man. Have a good holiday. Oh, I got you. Roll tide. You know I love the way you play the game. <laughs> you need to call me back. That hey, Fonz, you need to say, you need to say RMFT. <laughs> That's what you need to go. That's what you need to say. I can't do it. RMFT. <laughs> <laughs> he was out he was out to a few places when he came in town <laughs> all right you guys have a good one all right be good thanks, 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 thanks so much <laughs>